You're listening to the Eat With Grace podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Dr. Jackie Neinheis, registered dietitian and professor of culinary medicine. And I am your co-host, Brooke Fredrickson, registered dietitian and certified diabetes care and education specialist. And we are here to challenge a culture around food and nutrition from a biblical perspective. Hi, welcome to the Eat With Grace podcast. I am Brooke, one of your hosts, and I'm here with Jackie. And today we're going to talk about uh, bioengineered foods. So I don't know if any of you have noticed, but as of January 1st of this year, there's a new label that you might see on some of your food items. If any of you are watching this, of course, you can't see it, but I have a box of um, Cheerios Oat Crunch here. And on the bottom here, it says contains bioengineered food ingredients. And so this is a new labeling thing that you're going to see on some foods, it's um, maybe kind of confusing for people who don't understand what that is, um, what it means, maybe what the difference is between bioengineered or GMO. So we're just going to talk about some of those things today. If you need to be looking at that label, and if it if it provides any significant or important information for you um, and the, the health of your family. So Jackie, do you just want to give us some background information on this term of bioengineered foods. So bioengineered foods is kind of a a relatively new term, but the debate on those kinds of foods is really old and it has been vigorous. It has been, people are attacked by it. So these bioengineered foods, it's another term that's going to be used for what we have in the past sometimes called GMOs, genetically modified organisms or um, other terms that are used. So the USDA decided BE was the term to use. And that has not made very many people happy. I mean, the whole issue, there are very few people that are happy with the new law. Even before the new law went into effect, there were lawsuits against it. Mm. So people, some people feel like it didn't go far enough and other people felt like this is ridiculous. I think both sides felt like it was ridiculous. And um, it'll be interesting, Brooke, to hear your opinion on this. But let me start out by saying, okay, so this new label, it looks like, oh, that should be wonderful. Then we know what foods are bioengineered. But um, we have to think about the importance of statistical significance and the importance of clinical significance in this. So there's a lot of testing that goes behind this label. A lot of evidence-based research goes on when they were going to set this label and what foods would have to have the label on it and what foods didn't have to have on it. So a lot of the consumer groups, they say, wait a minute, you put the label only on foods that you can detect it in? That's kind of what what part of the lawsuit was about. The FDA responded and they said, well, yes, we're just looking at foods where you can detect that there are bioengineered products in it. So um, one group is talking about the importance of statistical research and the consumer groups say, if it has any, any genetically modified organism, any bioengineered substance in it, et cetera, et cetera, it should have the label on it. But the USDA says, well, if you can't detect it and they have levels where they uh, make that significance, the level, 
So it doesn't have any clinical significance. No clinical significance means that there really isn't going to be any um, effect on the population. So most of the research that goes on is based on hypothesis testing with uh, results typically presented as test statistics. But clinical significance of research findings, that is often not as clear. And that's where consumer groups um, get confused. Like, okay, maybe this product was a GMO, but it's not at all detectable in the final product. So it has no clinical significance. And clinical significance is related to the magnitude of the effect of the treatment and whether the results of a study or series of studies significantly inform a change to practice. So when we look at these differences, we have to understand that one group is looking at maybe statistical significance and like, okay, these are the products that have GMOs in it. The other one might be looking at clinical significance, like the USDA says, well, it's not detectable at any levels we can detect. So why would we put a label on it? Right. But they've come head to head. And, you know, maybe you can explain some more about the very basis of the, yeah. of the labeling. Yeah, I sure can. So I can give an, an like you, you did give a uh, definition, but I'll, I'm going to take it right from the USDA website. It says food that contains genetic material that has been modified through certain laboratory techniques for which the modification could not be obtained through conventional breeding or found in nature. Um, and so when you were talking about that and this BE or this bioengineered label that has to be on there, one thing I also saw in the literature was this talk about making where uh, manufacturers can put on their label that it may be derived from BE ingredients. So that's where that, um, when it's not detectable, but something was used in the process of making that, that they can still put on there derived from it, showing that it came from something that was bioengineered, but it doesn't specifically contain the bioengineered ingredients. So that okay. was kind of an interesting. <laughs> yeah, just one clarification. They yeah. can say that it was derived from, but I don't think they can use the word may, M-A-Y. Right. USDA decided that was ambiguous. So they can say it's derived from it or they yep. can leave it off, but they can't say it may be derived, which True. I True. mean, what, what strange kind of rules we have here, right? Right, right. Um, and so some of those things that would be derived from, they said it's a lot of times it's specifically highly processed things like oils or sugar. Um, where, yeah, the genetic material doesn't show up in those things, but it came from something that technically was bioengineered. So yeah, the reason we're talking about this is I was on a, I'm in a Facebook group, of course, and there was a conversation about it this week um, where people were saying, oh my gosh, did you see that now there's bioengineered ingredients in our food? And trying to explain that, no, this is no, this is nothing new. This is the same thing as GMOs have always been. It's just a new way of labeling. And it's actually, um, I think some of the big manufacturers it's required in, but the smaller manufacturers, restaurants, and other people don't have to do it. It's voluntary marketing for them. So it's actually considered a marketing label. It's not considered like a safety label is my understanding of how the USD explains it. And then of course, you know, we can get into which, which foods are actually bioengineered because I think a lot of people don't know, they assume that 
everything is. And there's actually a very, very small list. Um, I don't know if you want me to share that. Do you want me to sure. talk about some of those foods? Okay. So the ones that are in the, um, the list of bioengineered crops, uh, alfalfa is one of them. Um, there's a couple of apple varieties, canola, corn, cotton, eggplant, papaya, pink flesh varieties of pineapple, potato, salmon, soybean, summer squash, and sugar beets. So those are the only things that are grown within the United States that are bioengineered. And I think a lot of people think that, you know, maybe there's like chemicals inserted into them or something, but what it actually means is that they took a trait from some other some other food or some other naturally occurring thing, and they inserted it into this particular uh, food. So like for apples, for instance, they take a trait from something else um, and they put it into the apple so that the apple doesn't brown as fast. You know, when you cut up an apple and it turns brown and gets mushy really fast, no one likes that. So they take a trait from some other organism, put it into the apple, this gene, so that it doesn't do that. So it's not like it's a, it's not like it's a chemical. It's actually taking a gene from something else and putting it in there to get a desired result. And so, um, so it's not dangerous um, for human health or for human consumption. Uh, it's just trying to make that product better, to make it last longer, to make it more appealing. And so that's one example, I guess, of how it's used. Yeah. And, and it's interesting because all sides of this debate are critical of mm -hmm. law. And so uh, consumers, protection groups, they feel like the law did not go far enough, that it doesn't matter if you can detect that there was a GMO there, that it should be covered. And then the other side feels like, okay, this make, like you mentioned, it makes it look like our food is not safe because it's bioengineered, which absolutely isn't the truth. But I thought of a third argument coming from a nutrition standpoint. Um, we know that whole foods and foods that are grown and eaten in their simplest form are just really good for us, like whether it's uh, squash or eggplant or, or pineapple. Mm -hmm. So those things, if they have any kind of crossbreeding that wouldn't occur naturally, they're going to have to have that label on it. Well, they're actually very healthy foods, but they have mm -hmm. to have that label that makes it look like, well, maybe they're not, especially for us consumers who aren't sure of all the different things. Right. Well, think of this, the highly processed things like sugar and those oils, they're highly processed. No GMOs can be detected in it. So they do not have to have the labels. Right. So not that I'm against the label or for the label, I'm just for the consumer to realize that all these foods with high sugar, high fat content might have bioengineered kind of things in them just as much as the natural food that isn't processed. Right. And so there's another point of confusion because what if people don't eat the whole foods because it has this label on it, but they eat the highly processed foods because they don't? Right, exactly. Uh, from a nutrition standpoint, you really have to look at right the nutrition. This isn't a nutrition issue. Um, it's more of a uh, maybe a yield issue. So I know like with potatoes, for example, the traits that they put into these potatoes um, are to prevent um, bruising. 
So it's to make them a little tougher so they don't bruise as easily. There's also, um, I think a couple traits in there. I was looking, it talked about blight. Is blight like a, a fungus or a, a bacteria or something that happens to potatoes? Yes, yes it's okay. kind of this black rot that yeah. you can get on potatoes yeah. and yeah. Um, it's definitely harmful. It's yeah. deadly. So one of these traits actually prevents that from occurring in these potatoes, which is a great thing, right? So we get better yield, we get better products out of the thing. It doesn't affect the nutrition of the potato. It's only affecting um, like the quality of it, uh, the, the yield, the shelf life of it, um, and the final outcome. So I think like from a nutrition standpoint, that's a great thing um, that we can do that because we're getting the same thing. We're just having less issues with it. We're getting a better quality product from it. I think of the potato crop in different states and um, there'll be companies who prefer a certain kind of potato for their shredded hash browns or french fries or for any kind of product where mm -hmm. potatoes are used. Well, um, I know at one time, I personally knew a farmer who in North Dakota who had thousands of acres of potatoes and they supplied the company they uh, with the potatoes, but all of a sudden, North Dakota weather changed a little bit, and they had a whole crop that the potato company decided didn't have enough starch or had too much or some little difference there. And so the farmer had no other options but to try to find a hardier potato variety. And um, if they aren't able to find a hardier potato variety, that means we're going to have to go outside of the country in order to find these potatoes. And then you have to ask yourself, okay, I doubt, I highly, highly doubt that many third world countries have the same kind of standards that we do in the United States. So they could produce a potato that fits everything that the company wants, but there's no guarantees that even if they put certain labels on it, that they don't have certain kinds of um, things that we wouldn't want in the potatoes. And, and using potatoes from the United States that we have made hardier and we've researched them so they're the best potatoes we can have is really a win-win. Right. Yeah, no, I agree. So, would you mind explaining the difference then between um, this bioengineering versus, uh, you know, breeding something to to make that a better product? You know, because I think there's some confusion that anytime we, um, you know, like seedless watermelon, people will view that as a GMO. Um, I've heard people. Um, you know, say that, well, we shouldn't eat seedless watermelon because that's unnatural. That's just a result of selective breeding, correct? Correct. What's your understanding? So, okay. Correct. So that means that it wouldn't have to have a label on it. Right. But then there are some other products like with the papayas or the pineapples where it wouldn't have occurred naturally. And they kind of do this crossbreeding in the laboratory and those are the kind of products that you have to have the BE label on it. Yeah, okay. um, but on that list that you read were things like the canola oil and the sugar beets. While those are kinds of changes that they do do in the lab, those do not have to have the label on them because typically 
sugar beets are highly refined in order to produce sugar and in order to use them in like either high fructose corn syrup or in sugar, neither of those would have to have the label on it. The canola oil is highly refined and wouldn't have to have the label on it. So um, that, that is a concern of the consumer groups. Like what they claim in their lawsuit that was filed even before the law went into effect, they claim that 75% of all of our food products that have GMOs in it or BE in it do not have to be labeled. Mm. And while that sounds like a huge, huge amount, you already pointed out that only a small percentage of our food is bioengineered or genetically modified. So 75% of a small amount still might not be that many, but you do think all the things with the sugar beets in it, all the things with oil in it do not have to be labeled because they can't be detected. It cannot be detected in the final product. So you can see why nobody's really happy with this, with this law. Yeah. Um, So can we talk a little bit about the bioengineering process? This is one of the arguments that I hear. Uh, So if people think that by doing this by, you know, genetically engineering um, certain traits in food and stuff, that it's kind of an ethical issue, um, that we shouldn't be playing God, right? Um, That if we're doing this to food and to plants, then, you know, what's next? Is it animals and humans that we're going to start doing these genetic things to? Like, I just want to hear what your thoughts are on that. Do you think there are any ethical issues with, with doing this to our food supply? When you're talking about ethical issues, I think that is a personal stand. Mm -hmm. And um, I respect people who might think differently than I do. But for me personally, GMOs is not an ethical issue. Now, I do know that there are some animals, you know, that are bioengineered. There's another whole issue. And... um, I don't know. And then you think of, of, uh, of it done in humans, things happen in laboratories that we can't even imagine. Like, let me just use, for example, that if it looks like, you know, COVID could have been um, made in a laboratory mm-hmm. and then released. Okay. There's definitely an ethical implication there. Right. Now, we're making a huge jump between food and between the harmful things. Like, like it's almost irresponsible to bring it up in the same podcast. They're so far apart. Yeah, no, that's true. I agree. Yeah. I mean, food, food, this is to, this is to, um, better our food supply. It actually, um, is a benefit of, you know, to humans, I think to do some of these, um, bioengineering with these foods. Now, when it comes to like lab grown meat, um, stuff like that, I don't know where I fall on that. I, I, I think a lot of that, you know, is coming from the climate change issue and people wanting to get rid of ruminant animals and things like that. You know, that, I think that's a completely different topic. I do think that when we go from plants to animals, I mean, definitely humans, we definitely should not be doing anything to humans. Um, 
you know, genetically like that. But I, it's just, that's where I see the line go. A lot of people start with, well, we shouldn't be doing this because it could lead to this and this and this. Um, I do think there is a hard line that needs to be drawn in there somewhere. Definitely not doing anything to humans, but yeah. Um, I don't know. It's, it's just, again, it's one of those very controversial topics that I think is very divisive um, and very, um, you know, misunderstood uh, because we, as we see technology advance, you know, in the world, in our culture, there are crazy things that scientists can now do uh, in a lab when it comes to this kind of stuff. And so it's just kind of like, where, where do we draw the line on that? And when does it become too far? Yeah, and I think we need to consider that when we have technology for good, when we have made innovations in our food supply for good, mm -hmm. yes, some of that knowledge could be used for bad, but I don't think that we can decide, let's not move forward with any of this technology just because it is um, something someone could use for a negative. Right. So we have made it so we can feed the entire world. We have made it so there are fewer starving, hungry people because of, of how we have um, engineered and um, how we produce our food. Yeah, no, I agree. So when it comes to this label, now, if someone goes to the store and they see that, you know, there's this label on the front, there's, there's it's a, it looks like a, it's a black and white label. It looks like there's a field on it and it has a BE. So if you see that on any of your foods, um, is this something, Jackie, that people should be looking for? Is it something they should watch out for? Does it mean anything? What are your thoughts on that from like the everyday consumer? I really don't think it means much. Okay. I mean, it does mean that there are detectable levels of GMOs or bioengineered foods, which are considered the same thing. Yep. But, you know, that doesn't really mean anything. And then all these foods that have sugar and fat in them don't have to be labeled. So I don't, I don't really see that it means much. What do you think? Okay. Yeah, I, I agree too. Um, I was just going to read something here from uh, the USDA website. So here it says, what foods are required to disclose this? Um, so it's, we already talked about the highly refined ingredients like sugar and oils. Um, also foods that are primarily meat, poultry, or egg products do not require a bioengineered food disclosure, which is really interesting. I wonder why they're exempt. It says any small food manufacturers, food served in restaurant, food trucks, trains, airplanes, delis, any retail food establishments do not have to require that unless they want to. So yeah, it's just interesting. It kind of makes it sound like you're only going to see this probably in the grocery store and nowhere else. So there's going to be all these other places in your life where you are consuming these things. If you go out to eat at a restaurant, you know, and you're not even going to know about it, right? So does having the label on in the grocery store, is that beneficial? Like you said, I, that's honestly something that I'm not going to look for. I don't think it matters to me. Um, it doesn't matter from a health or nutrition perspective. So is it just one of those things that's a little more confusing? Maybe because people might see it as something bad. I don't know. Yeah. And I also think that uh, we need to make the point that it doesn't have anything to do with your weight. It's not going to have anything to do your gastrointestinal integrity. 
it's not going to have anything to do with your um, your cardiovascular system. In fact, if it's a whole food, like the yellow squash, the papaya, the eggplant, um, all those other whole foods that are labeled, those might be better for all of those things than highly processed foods that aren't labeled. Yeah, exactly. So it in in summary, then looking at the big picture, still eating, um, you know, whole nutritious foods, um, regardless if they're bioengineered or not, is kind of the the takeaway. Is that what we're saying? Yeah. You know, I, I think it is. I think it is. And another thing that we haven't brought up that I just want to mention is because consumer groups are attacking these GMOs, it prevents further research in that area because there's less money funded into that. There is less mm. impediments to, to research that kind of stuff. So we are making it so that our food supply might be less safe than it normally would be. We have um, E. coli outbreaks. We have um, all kinds of different like salmonella outbreaks throughout the country. Well, if we quit doing research to try to eradicate those things, mm -hmm. we're going to continue with our increased population and increased urban centers to have problems. And right. also consumers really want fresh food. And if yeah. they want fresh food, that is more susceptible to issues that GMOs could prevent. Right. Yeah, no, that's really interesting. I don't think people think about it that way. That it would actually, yeah, because a lot of those genes that are put into some of those foods make them resistant to certain viruses and bacteria, which yes, makes your food safer when we're talking about a food safety or like a foodborne illness pathogen situation. So no, that's really cool way to think about it. Yeah. All right. Anything else we want to share about the bioengineered food labeling? Well, I think it's interesting the answers and the um, the answers the USDA gave the summary to uh, consumer groups lawsuit. Like one of their complaints is that okay, this label is on some foods where you visibly see it, like the Cheerio box you saw, mm -hmm. but it has four different ways that it can be. It it can actually be a barcode that you scan with your phone. It can be an actual symbol, like what you see on your box. It can also be a text where you text a certain number to get information. And it can also be one that uh, gives you information where to look up about the bioengineer. And so the consumer groups say, well, 20% of the population can't use a phone, so they're not going to be able to have this information. And I'm like, okay, there are a lot of problems yeah. um, with it. The consumer groups were also complaining because we want any food that contains a GMO to be labeled. And the USDA said, no, you really can only do detectable ones. Okay. And so there were a couple other uh, things in the lawsuit that they just were not happy with the way that it was written and did not think it was strict enough. And so one thing that the USDA said that if they, throw out this law, okay, then there would be no labeling on it. And um, they would probably start from scratch to come up with a new one. And I'm not confident we have anything better. So was there GMO labeling before? before you know, a, this? Lot of, a lot of foods had non-GMO on it. Yes. 
but we so, never actually had GMO labeling. So maybe this is the first. Been. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. But I just um I was just coming through an airport yesterday and they had an ad saying for this um smoothie place, it said a hundred percent clean smoothies. And yes. um the term clean often means they often throw in there non-GMO. Yep. And so, you know, those smoothies have fat and sugar in them. You know that that's added in some way, but because it's not detectable, they still can say that it's clean, which I'm not going to argue with them that it's clean or not. I'm going to say, you don't know what clean is and neither do I. There's right. no it's definition. One of those arbitrary terms. So... And I do feel like this labeling is going to take us in the direction of more and more restaurants saying, oh, this food is clean. Well, it's really high in fat. It's really high in sugar. And it's not good for you. It has very little nutrients, but it's clean. Yeah. Well, I think we'll wrap it up with that. Um, thanks for listening today. If you guys have any questions about it, please reach out to us. Uh, we can certainly answer answer those questions on a new or a future podcast if you're interested. Um, but otherwise, have a great week and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Eat With Grace podcast. If you haven't already, please consider subscribing so you don't miss an episode. We would love to have you leave a review or comment on our Instagram page. It's been great to share this time with you. And we pray that you have a grace-filled day.